I'd say the three tips is first, uh, get committed to your dream that has been placed inside you for a reason. It's not just to inspire and motivate you, but it's to inspire and motivate the children of God. And so it's already there. You just got to go get it and manifest it. But it's going to be hard work. Number two is to find your faith in God because that's what you're going to need to stay true to your dream. And number three is to be a servant to God's children because that's where your dream is going. <laughs> the dream was given to you by God. Now you got to have the faith in God to manifest the dream because the dream is serving the children of God. So those three things, capture your dream, have faith in God, and then be a servant to God's children. This is the Fit Investor Podcast, where we talk about how to live a more holistic life of being fit, not only financially, but physically and faithfully. We'll be joined by experts in all these areas to share their experiences and actionable and practical tips so that you can be a fit investor too. So now let's join our hosts, Kale Delaney, Wesley Whitehead, and Brenna Carls. All right, ladies and gentlemen, here we are for another episode of the Fit Investor Podcast. And before we jump into it, just real quick, want to let everyone know about a recent change that we made here, which we now have a new and additional co-host, Miss Brenna Carls. Yes. And Brenna was one of our first episodes and she really loved what we were doing and wanted to be able to promote her belief and her faith and uh, like the project that we had going on with this podcast. So we brought her on as a, a co-host. So we're excited to have her. This will be the first episode with her. And so there we are. Yeah. Welcome. Yes. Welcome. Thank you. With that. Uh, so with that, our guest today is Judah Swaggerty and Judah is a brand strategist, a real estate entrepreneur and co-founder and visionary at his company, B&B Amplify, which is a hybrid brand marketing agency that helps real estate professionals and vacation rental owners launch and grow their businesses using local brand growth, publishing and media services, and marketing automation strategies. He's been named top 100 marketing and advertising leaders for 2020, has over 20 years of experience in digital marketing, brand marketing, content strategies, and website designs. As a real estate entrepreneur, Judah also devotes his time to serving others through creative real estate financing strategies and is now looking to grow an STR co-hosting and multifamily investment portfolio. Judah, you and I, we met at a recent short-term rental conference. We ended up chatting for three hours straight and missing like the last half of the conference. And uh, yeah. <laughs> so we got into some really interesting stuff, some interesting topics that maybe we'll touch on here on this podcast. But uh, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself uh, so we can get to know you. Yeah. So I appreciate the introduction. Appreciate you having me here. And, and uh, so as Kale was saying, I'm the co-founder of BNB Amplify and we help real estate professionals launch and grow their brands online. Um, we started this business in 2019. We seen that there was a need uh, in the SDR space. We didn't really know what we were wanting to do, we actually initially set out to create another OTA. <laughs> we quickly made the pivot once we realized that we didn't want to be in that, that space. It was already being 
manhandled by a lot of the bigger players. And we also seen a lot of Mitch OTAs coming alive around 2019, 2020. So we wanted to really make that pivot to really just focusing on helping short-term rental hosts build brands and, and, and use those OTAs as secondary means. So the whole idea is really to help hosts and real estate professionals understand their true identity in the space and then capitalize on that with the brand strategy. So again, that's who I am and appreciate you guys having me here and let's get into this, man. Let's get into it. And you're also a family man as well, right? You got yes. five kids. I have kids, man. I've been with my wife since, since I met her back in college. She comes from a large family. I come from a large family. And so we, we knew we wanted to have children. We just didn't know how many. I told her six. She told me four. <laughs> and we so we kind of, we kind of met in the middle, but we thought we were done at three. And then the last two really just were God's gifts as they all are. And so we're done here. You're in a, you're in a race and a competition with Wes now. We're so tied, man. We're tied, man. Breaks into six. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, he really one is six as well. And then our fifth one is basically equal to three. So he slammed <laughs> the door shut on the way out. And every time we think about having a sixth one, he wakes up and they're yeah, like, hey, never mind. Months. They're good. <laughs> oh, man, it's, it's definitely work and we have a lot of fun. But my last one, too, my daughter, she really puts me to the tent. So I can yeah. feel you, man. I can feel you. Uh, we get a little lenient. My oldest son says, man, back in my day, as if he's you know, right. man, you guys were, would have not let me do that. I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah, we just got a little tired. As parents That's ago. what it is. That's what it is. The first kids get the boot camp. And then by the time you're, 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 you're basically your grandpa. You're like, eh, whatever. <laughs> yeah, we don't see it all at that point. It's, yeah, whatever, man. Is it true <laughs> that they say that they're like, oh, yeah, your first kid is like this angel. You know, it's just mother nature, like being like, oh, it's so easy to be a parent. And then the second one comes and it's, oh, no, never mind. It's a lot harder than what it was. You know what? My first is really responsible. He's a, he's a responsible young man. And I think that's because he had a lot of responsibility before his brother came. His brother is two years younger than him. And even with all the children, my oldest still maintained that level of responsibility. He wanted to help out his parents. He wanted to make sure that his mom was in a good space. <laughs> so he was always on top of making sure that the little ones were getting crazy. He, he can anticipate his mother's frustration a little bit. He'll make himself available and make sure that he's trying to redirect, like jumping in and playing with the young ones or getting their minds off of whatever it is that their minds are on. So he's really good about that. But once the other ones come, it's, I don't have to tell my oldest one to take out the trash, just takes it out. He anticipates things, but the young ones, just they just don't. So that's my experience. <laughs> and for me, I've noticed that your expectations lower the more kids you yeah. have. So that first kid has to grow up. When he's like three, it's like, why are you doing like calculus? Take the trash out. You're three years old. Come on. And then by the time you're last one, you're like 17. You're like, can you make your bed? Can you just do that? Yeah. And my wife, Please. the first kids, she's all paranoid about them. They get sick. Everything is like crazy. And the last one, you're like, ah, I rub some dirt on it. You're like, I heard this joke. They're like, the first kid swallows a penny. You're like at the ER. Last kid swallows a penny. That's something now your allowance. Yeah. <laughs> that's how it is. That's, that's really how it is. Yeah. I like that. That's hilarious. <laughs> I've got three, so I'm not quite up to your guys' level yet, but I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, right there, man. Once you have three, it's easy to have the four. 
Fifth and the fifth, I'll tell you that. Uh, it's like a sweet spot. Sounds like it's time to move on to the next segment here. I'll say this. I've met, I've known, I know your kids, and your third one is almost like two. He's almost like Raphael. So technically, you've got four. <laughs> okay. Brenna, you're the odd man out, odd woman out here. Yeah, so- I've got two dogs. And <laughs> we do want to start a family soon. But like I said, like we went, we changed career paths at the same time and both quit our jobs at the same time. And all of our families thought we were crazy. So that's what we've been working on. But it is the same with dogs. Like the first dog, she is literally an angel. She waits until you tell her she can go outside. And she's smart. Like I taught her how to sit and shake and lay down and stuff. And Rudy, the second one, he like, he would sit and then I'd ask him to shake and he'd throw up both of his paws and then fall over. And I was like, yeah, that's good. Yeah, you so, go. <laughs> it's hit, it, it rolls over to dogs too. <laughs> Are you one of those dog moms that, that pushes your dogs around in a stroller or carries them in a backpack? No, but I did because with Ellie, she actually tore both of her ACLs oh. and I had to, and then people would look at me like I was just weird, like one of those crazy cat ladies, except crazy dog lady. And I felt my husband kept making fun of me. He was like, why do you tell people? I was like, because I don't want them to think I'm weird. He was like, they are weird. But and they <laughs> said, I was like, oh, I'm not pushing my dog around because I think it's a child in a stroller. She had HDL <laughs> surgery. And everyone's like, okay, we didn't ask, but okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> uh, now that we get that out of the way, let's jump in here. So tell us about B&B Amplify. What, uh, I know you mentioned the initial thought was to get started and actually creating a new OTA or online travel agency. But uh, what caused that transformation and just what really motivated you to do the- start a business in the first place, really. What motivated us to really jump into this business was my wife came home from a girl's trip where she stayed in an Airbnb in Boston. And at that point in time is around 2017, 2018. I had no idea. I never heard of Airbnb. I was familiar with the vacation rental space because we used to stay in the, in, in the cabins when I was growing up in, in the Smoky Mountains. So I knew of vacation rentals. But I was not familiar and aware of Airbnb. And so when she was like, oh, we stayed in the Airbnb and she was all excited. She talked about how nice the space was and how great her, her accommodations were and you know, the experience she had. And I just looked into Airbnb and I was just intrigued by this business. I was intrigued by what was taking place to share economy. I would hear Gary Vaynerchuk speak a lot about it, but he never particularly spoke on Airbnb, but he spoke on this shared economy. He used to speak on it all the time back in that time frame. And so uh, I was like, wow, this is amazing. So this is the idea of wanting to jump into the industry as an OTA. I didn't have any short-term rentals, didn't plan on having any short-term rentals, didn't know anything about running one or starting getting one set up, but I knew how to create websites. I knew how to create frameworks, systems, and processes. I knew how to do automation and things like that. So I knew that there was a there, there was a use for all of this. And so I started, what do you do? You want to do more market research. So you jump into the groups, you start listening to what the market is saying. You start wanting to understand the pulse of the, of your target audiences. While we were setting up the OTA, the more and more we were in the groups, more and more we had the conversations with hosts and operators. We knew that the OTAs was not it. That was not the avenue that we wanted to go in. We were hearing all of the horror stories with the policies and the fees and just different things happening on the platform with guests, the Airbnb. One thing we hear a lot of is Airbnb 
he's siding with guests more than they're siding with hosts on certain issues. So it's wow, there's a real opportunity here to, to really help hosts build their own platforms, build their own direct booking websites and build brands around that and get them going in that way. In that time period, um, we're talking 2018, 2019, it was a learning curve that we had to really teach hosts and it was really hard for us. That learning curve was being helped by Bruce Lee. You guys are familiar with Bruce Lee and Mark Simpson. He was doing a lot of, pushing a lot of content on direct bookings at the time. So he was helping curve that, that learning that needed to take place in, in the mindsets of hosts, but it was still hard to really convince hosts or educate them on the need to build a brand until COVID hit. When COVID hit, we seen a lot of people come to us wanting us to build out their direct booking websites, asking us more and more about brands, how to build brands with the importance of it. And that was like the pivotal moment for us when COVID hit. And that's when we decided, you know what, this is, let's really focus in on this industry and not just this industry, but let's also work with real estate agents and other investors, because even during COVID, we realized that a lot of, in, a lot of our avatar that was coming to us were not just STR operators, there were also agents and investors. So there were all three. There were agents who happened to have STRs who were also investing in long-term and other creative real estate financing strategies. So it was like, oh, all right, this is what we want to do. And so that's how we initially got into the business. What I find interesting is you mentioned that it was COVID that I guess accelerated things. And that's been such a common theme. There's been so many entrepreneurs or businesses that have started out of COVID, myself included. And what I find interesting about it is because like myself, I never thought that I would be having a business, that I would leave the W2 world, that I would be an entrepreneur. It just, it was very uncharacteristic of me. Yet, I think at this point now, I look back, I think there's a little bit of entrepreneur in, in most people. And we just need that, that whatever it may be for a lot of people, it was COVID because all of a sudden it, it just really threw things upside down. It gave some people a lot more time. It just started thinking about maybe my job's not as secure as I thought it was type thing, but it gave a lot of people that boost and brought out that, that inner entrepreneur that maybe has always been there or giving people that motivation to, to get started with something. But it could go two very different ways, right? There's some people will take that and like yourself and see the opportunity and move forward and build something out of that. And then a lot of people will suppress it or ignore it and go back to their normal everyday lives. And it just reminds me of this saying that, gosh, now I got to try to remember it. What was it? Luck is the meeting of opportunity and preparation, I think is what it, I think is what it was. A lot of people out there would say, oh, you're so lucky or whatever. It's really, luck to me doesn't exist. There's opportunities that come by our way every single day. It's a matter of where, if we're prepared to receive them or not. And if you are, then just like yourself, Judah, you can take those opportunities and turn it into something life-changing and, and build upon it. A lot of people just let them pass by because they haven't put in that preparation, that work, et cetera, to be able to receive that opportunity or gift. So I just find that very interesting because a lot of people, like I said, a lot of people, this COVID was that opportunity, despite the many bad things, of course, that came out of COVID, but it was the opportunity that, that spurred these, these growths and these businesses and that type of thing. Yeah. 
You talk about the opportunity, the good and the bad, and just to share a little bit about them both. During that time period, the good was a lot of opportunity happening, a lot of innovation, a lot of people thinking outside the box, what's going on. A lot of cash was flowing from hands to hands. And those who were in that knew it. Those who were in it knew it. And those who could capitalize on those opportunities knew it. I grew up in a, my grandmother was a pastor. And so I had always learned through her, through her sermons and just her teaching us is that there is no such thing as luck. What you have is what God has given you, both the good and the bad. And it's how you take that, how you take that message that God gives you, because the Bible speaks on asking is given unto us. So whether or not we're asking subconsciously, consciously, we're attracting. And so those opportunities, when you attract those opportunities in your life and you don't open up those doors that God sent your way, then you're definitely missing out on those blessings. You're not seeing the fruits of your labor. You're not seeing the attractiveness of your life. And so that was the notion. So it's funny that you say that because the bad part of COVID also unleashed another side of me. My mother passed away on the ventilator alongside my grandmother passing away during that time. Now she passed away in her own home due to natural causes, but I seen my mother fall victim to what I, I'm just going to say victim to this whole thing of COVID and the ventilators and that whole process was just a very dark moment in my personal life. But it was around that time that Jody had came to me with the opportunity to sponsor her book. So this was right before all of that had happened. And so again, it was the melting pot of a lot of things happening, a lot of opportunity and a lot of sadness at the same time. But it was during that moment where I personally was really able to see my life from different lenses and understand that this life that we live is truly paper thin. It truly is paper thin. Your reality is as, 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 as fragile as light itself. So it's something that we really have to really stay true and stay grounded and stay focused is that our existence here is so much more than what we think and that we've been taught. And that's that my testimony in terms of the good and the bad happening during that time period. Yeah. That's yeah. a very good point. Real quick comment here. You we're saying scripture says that our lives are but vapor. Think mm -hmm. about how long vapor remains in the air. For us, vapor is but yeah. a little and our lives may seem like a long time to us, but in the, in the scheme of things, it's a brief moment. And touching on what you said with COVID very much, I look at it was like a fault line. The ground cracked and you had to, you couldn't stand still. You had to either pick one side or the other of that fault line. And it moved a lot of people to the entrepreneurial side of the fault line, taking risks. But a lot of people also shrunk back and they went to what was familiar and they moved away. Maybe they were thinking about being entrepreneurial or stepping out. And then COVID happened and they got scared in the opposite direction. And so I think hearing testimonies like yours is valuable because it shows people that it's, the opportunity is not gone. There's still opportunity out there. And don't be afraid. If you feel the desire to go off on your own or do something different, take inspiration from those who have done it before you. So that's mm -hmm. excellent. I do want to touch base on like the, your life is a vapor because to be honest, nobody really close to me yet had passed away until uh, two weeks ago, and that was my grandmother. And even though it was her time, 
I'm very, I feel like anybody, us being entrepreneurial, we want to be in control of things, right? You want to be in control. If something goes like wrong with my business, I want to make sure it's fixed right then and there. So clients having a hard time, I want to make sure it's fixed right then and there. And I know everybody goes through those trials and tribulations as they start a new business. And so I'm very much, I want to be able to control my environment. And this is the one thing that I felt helpless. There's literally nothing you can do. And that kind of shows you the power of God and the power in the truth behind his words. Because I was sitting there and it was like, it, it felt like I could, like, I was trying to find like an idea of what I could do to make this better. But there's nothing because like we can't, there's, that's the one thing we cannot control is God's faith in, in the lives of people. And then I look back at my grandmother's life and she was around like the 90 year mark. And I look back at pictures and like pictures of like when she was my age. And then I think back of when I was early 20s or just getting into college. And one of my friends from high school that I graduated with came to the funeral to pay respects and to show me support. And that was, I hate saying this, but we haven't seen each other in 16 years. And it doesn't even seem, it doesn't even seem that long. And I'm sure with you guys, like your kids, like you feel like just yesterday you probably had them. And so it's just so weird of how fast time can go. And that's like the one thing you can't control. So bringing it back to your business, it's feel like our personality, that's the one thing we can try to control and to try to, while we are on this earth, try to make our mark for people and help people as much as possible. Yeah, hundred percent. And just along that same theme is I actually heard this recently on another podcast, but it was talking about through various studies or whatever that were done that the happiest place in the world was labeled as, I think it was the country of Bhutan, which honestly, I don't even know where it is, but the reason that it was rated that way and the practice that they do is five times a day, they remind themselves that they are going to die. And the purpose of that is to encourage themselves to live. And so there's actually an app now that I, I downloaded called We Croak, and it gives you like five times a day, it gives you a reminder to open it up. And there's a quote about dying. It's so positive, Kayla. That's very nice. I Bring it down to the dark side here. I don't think I could do that because I will literally think of that. The traffic here in Dallas, Fort Worth, I've never seen anything like it. It's insane. And so when we go out, I'm like, is today the final destination, like a movie or whatever? We're going to get behind the log truck. Hey, it. And then if I had that, I'm like, you may die today. Uh, drink, drink your water. I'd be like, nope, I'm not going out today. I'm good. Y'all, I'll see y'all later. It's not as morbid as it sounds. The quotes are actually relatively inspirational. But, okay. <laughs> but I guess the purpose of that was that, again, just reflecting on death, just <laughs> what we were talking about with the situations with the COVID and all these other things can be taken one of two ways, right? Just like Brenna was mentioning, you could take it to the dark side of and be fearful, or you could take it as the positive side and think of it as the opportunity, right? What does that afford me the opportunity to do now and live my life more fully or whatever, and taking the opportunity to start a business, et cetera, all that. So again, I think it's just, it comes down to the mindset and having, being in the right mindset to be able to receive those, those blessings, those opportunities, or whatever they may be to utilize them in a positive manner versus a negative manner, which you obviously have. And uh, so 
with with your company, BNB Amplify, brand strategy, marketing, short term rental, the short term rental specific, right? Yes. Just how do you see the market now with direct booking? It seems like that is very much the trend right now. So do you see that on your end business really picking up a lot more interest out there in terms of getting that direct booking sites up and going and all that? Yes. Like you mentioned, COVID really transformed in operators' minds, like the idea of hopping off those platforms and using those platforms as secondary means. Because we've seen a lot of these stiff policies come about during those times. That's when Airbnb was, they were cracking down. A lot of the OTAs were cracking down and the hosts were on the losing end of that, especially when it came to receiving funding back when they had to refund a lot of those, a lot of those, a lot of those stays, a lot of hosts missed out, a lot of hosts missed out and they were not happy. So we did see a lot of bookies and we still see the emergence of bookings, uh, direct bookings sites coming about, and we see it on our end. What we typically do though, is a bit different because we understand that a website is just a website. You got to have systems in place. So we want to really focus on not just building the direct booking website, but we have to build the framework. We have to build the system that goes in the framework and then there's a process. And so that requires a lot of automation and it just requires a team. And so we, we want to really establish that. So we work on building direct booking websites, but we really focus on building out the framework. And the reputation asset is the very first piece of this whole puzzle. And that reputation asset, a big piece of that asset is the right booking website. And so a lot of operators are becoming savvy and smart and they want to build their brands. They want to, to stand out. They realize that, that this industry is becoming more and more saturated, more and more people are hopping into it. And they want to really establish themselves, those who are serious. And then those who are serious really take on the task of setting up their brands and building out their direct booking website and really attracting their guests through those, through those channels. What would be, if there's one, one practical tip or maybe the most actionable tip that you could give for somebody who wants to start building that, that brand for their short-term rental business, what would that be? That one, that actionable tip would be like to really dive deep into who it is that you're serving. But this is something that we talk about a lot. You hear a lot of people talk about creating your avatar, understanding who it is that you're serving, but you really don't see a lot of people really diving into the psychographics of what that is. We focus a lot on the demographics, who they are, how old they are, how much money they make, what magazines they're watching, what podcasts they're listening to, and things like that. But we don't really dive into the psychographics. We don't really understand that we have to know what our avatar is thinking, seeing, feeling, and doing on a daily basis. And when we understand what they're thinking, feeling, seeing, and doing on a daily basis, we can create the marketing messages that attracts them. And so that's really just diving dive in deep to who they are, uncovering those key elements of your avatar. And that's where I would have people start all the time before you. You build a logo or think of a brand color psychology or think of any kind of a content you're going to put out there for your audience. Uh, you got to first understand who it is that you're talking to and what moves them from pain into pleasure. Because when they're staying in your, in your units, they're staying in your accommodations, they're running from something. When it's pain, they're running from pain. 
And so when they're running from pain, what's the reason for the run? What's that journey like? What are they hearing every single day when they're at work, when they come home from work and they're walking through their front door? What do they hear? What do they see? What are they feeling? What, are their, what is their community telling them? What are they hearing at work when they're talking to the coworkers, when they're talking to their spouse? What is that conversation like? And so when we ask ourselves these questions about our avatar, we can better understand who they are. And then we can create those marketing messages. We can create the color schemes. We can create the workflows, the sequencing, everything that really caters to them. And so that's the framework. And that's where we want to start. I want to mention, I like what you said, because a lot of people that start businesses, they won't even start it. And they're like, I want to do this. And I want to do this. And I want it to portray to people like this. And I want, I'm like, do you ask? what they want like because mm. that's who's really the business is for it's not for you it's not to put you yourself on a pedestal because you're not buying your own product it's everybody else so you have to adhere like what do they want and cater to them and kelly you may have more questions but my question to you is i want to ask what was like maybe your biggest struggle in creating your company and your business because I don't want people to hear, you hear other podcasts and how successful a CEO is or how successful a business is, but it really doesn't dive deep into the struggles. And what people see is they, like I told Kale in the other episode, you see the tip of the iceberg, but you don't see the huge part under the water that has taken all this time to build up to where you currently are. So to you, what has been your biggest struggle so far and how did like you overcome on that or are you still overcoming it things like that yeah so i think the biggest struggle for us was building out our own framework systems and processes while we're sitting trying to build out those frameworks for other people <laughs> and so it was it was something that it's, it's, it, it was a slow process it's something that we couldn't take on a lot of projects at a time because we knew that we had bottlenecks in our process and our system that we wanted to plug so we would pull people in slowly. We'd pull them in slowly, figure out where our bottlenecks are and plug in those bottlenecks. And then we will test where right, let's double up a little bit. Let's see if we can't pull a few more people here, pull them in to our system and see if the process is working. And then if it didn't work, we had, would have to make pivots. And a lot of things were software related. Like we, we, at the time we didn't know how to build out certain things because we didn't really know what we need because we were still trying to uncover who our avatar was. And so as we began to really learn who our avatar, we had to make certain pivots. We had to leave software that we were used to using and learned and, had, and had, it just wasn't serving us. And we had to jump into something else. And it got to the point to where we're at, we had to focus on our own thing. We had to like really focus on building out our own team. And so that was that. And then how do you build a remote team? I've never done that. I've never built a remote team. And then, so how do you do it? How do you keep everyone accountable? And so building out, the, again, everything requires a system, a framework, and a process. I have my phone, right? We look at the phone and everyone has a phone, but we don't understand like that every single thing in the physical reality has these three components. It doesn't make a difference what it is. And so for the phone, for an example, the framework is the structure itself. Right. That's the framework and the system is what's inside. The process is how you use it. And so everything operates like that. And so when we understand that everything operates like that, it's easier for us to really navigate and really build out our business 
because we just do everything that the Most High says to do. Those three processes are in nature. So we're just following the guidance of a goddess, and that's what we do. So go slow, plant those seeds, water the seed. You got to water it, and then you just got to be patient. One thing that we didn't want to do was grow too fast, too soon. We've started this business in 2019, it's 2023, and we're just now feeling like we're getting the recognition inside the space. We're launching the STR Growth Summit in September. We have a lot of great sponsors and, and speakers on board for that. That all started in 2019 with the idea of, of setting up this business. And when you're doing the right thing and you're playing those seeds and you're going slow, again, it's the tortoise that wins the race. Just because you're the first one there doesn't mean you're the best. And so it was, that was our thing. We're the tortoise in this space. We don't try to be something that we're not moving too fast. We're building slow and because we want to take our time. We want to take our time in our business and we want to really have that reflected in the client that we work with. So I'm going to just be, I don't know if you call it dumb because not, I'm not saying I'm it dumb, but I'm very not technologically savvy at all. So what I'll do is I'll just be like, I want this. I don't know how to do it. Can you tell me how to do it? So when you keep saying Avatar, I either think of one, the movie, <laughs> or two, the little things you create to make you look like yourself on your phone or Snapchat or whatever. But I'm thinking, and tell me if I'm wrong, you, when you keep saying Avatar, you mean like basically if somebody likes real estate investing, and you can like cater to like your ads or something. Or are you talking about, can you explain when you say Avatar what you mean by that? No, yeah, he's, sure. he's talking about, he's talking about the blue people, Brenna. <laughs> <laughs> then I was right. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> the little blue, yeah. No, the avatar is your persona, right? It's your target audience. So it's, it's your ideal client, your ideal customer. What is that you really want to work with? That perfect person. Without question. That's your avatar. And Got so it. it's just the persona. And so you want to speak and build your processes around that persona because that persona is out there and they're waiting for your message and they're shifting through all this noise looking for it. And if you're not showing up in all the right places, then they're not going to find your message and your message won't speak to them. Another, somebody else's message will speak to them and, and it may not be the right message for them, but it will be the right message at that moment in time. So. That's, uh, that's what it is. It's just the persona of your ideal client. I like that. That's really cool. Yeah. And actually, thank you for actually bringing that up, Brenna, to clarify. I forget sometimes that not everybody's in the short-term rental space. I'll be that person to ask all the questions about the tech technology stuff because I'm, I don't know it. So I'm here yeah. for real. <laughs> and one thing I just want to hit on before we move on, because I know we're going to move on to some other stuff, but one thing I don't want to be lost to our audience, we talked about you getting started in COVID. You had some personal tragedies going on as well. And the one thing we didn't mention as well is you took this big risk from while having a full family as well, right? Yeah. And if you can just briefly, what was there? Because that's a huge risk and that's a huge excuse for some people and huge hurdle for others as to why they maybe do not start a business. So was there... Was there like a real strong, like why, or a real pain point that was enough to overcome 
the potential risk of saying, hey, I'm putting my family at risk potentially, right, by leaping into starting this business and maybe leaving some security. You know, does that make sense? No, yeah, man. Great question. Great question. As men, entrepreneurs, we start our businesses from a place of struggle. We get into what we get into because we're, we, we want to get out right. of our current situation, whether it's corporate America, whether it's whatever it may be. For me, I used to work in service work. I always was an, I've always been an entrepreneur. Ever since I can remember, I was selling gourmet lollipops to, to the kids at school to 25, 50 cents a pop from my <laughs> locker. So it was always something that was in me. I learned how to cut hair in middle school. So I'm cutting all the kids' hairs on the weekends from high school, football team, basketball team. Really? So, yeah. Well, you know, it was to the point to where I thought I was going to open up a barbershop. I still cut. I still cut. But it was something that, that, that I wanted to learn. So entrepreneur has always been in me. So with that being said, I learned how to do freelance. I learned how to be a freelancer while I was working, supporting my family. Working, supporting my family, being away from my family, not seeing my children grow up was really tough. I didn't have a father in my home. And so my idea was not to be absent just mm -hmm. because I have to be supported. And so when we, when we sat down to, to really start a family, we decided that my wife would be a stay-at-home mom. And so that, that put a lot of, of the financial burden up on me to really take on. We realized that it was hard in the beginning. So she would jump into the workforce back and forth to help out. And it wasn't until we had our third child where we really was like, okay, let's keep you home. I'm just going to just hustle, hustle, hustle. I have a few skill sets that I can do. So I was doing creative real estate financing. I was doing lease options. I was building web. So, and this is like 2027, 20, you know, 07, 08. And, but it was just, it just got too much. It got too much. Uh, and then we moved to Massachusetts in the Boston area. And I had an opportunity to work for an IT company in the marketing department. I did the commute for, cause I'm traveling. I'm coming from East Tennessee into the greater Boston area. So that commute was just like, no, I don't want to do that commute. My brother-in-law was just like, look. You have children, you work great with kids. I see how you are. Maybe you should come work with me at a group home. Uh, I was looking for something new. I thought I've never worked with kids. This is something awesome. So let me just give back in that kind of way. Once I jumped into the group homes, I really realized this is what I wanted to do. I wanted to be like in this field, in the behavioral health field and work with these children. I excelled at my work, at my job. I became the senior supervisor there and had to manage two group homes had a staff team up under me and everything like that. But I realized quickly that the system was not changing and there's nothing that I can do to change the system. The system is what it is. And these children are just, they, they're just a part of this process, a part of this system. And it's, it, it is what it is. It got to the point to where I had to leave because it was just robbing me of my joy because I wasn't seeing the change that really needed to see and it was just hurting me and, and then I couldn't even possibly help. And so that's when I, I sat and made the pivot. And then I sat with my wife and I said, look, I'm working. I was working a remote job at the same time, working in the group home when I had to step down because they made me step down as a senior supervisor for funding issues. So they say, but we have a, we think there was other reasons why they made me step down, but we're not going to say that here, but 
let's just say that when you start to love and give devotion to the children and then they don't need the facilities anymore, that means the facilities are losing money. So this whole thing became to where I just had to leave corporate America. My wife really was like, all right, I'll, I'll hold this down until you do this, man. And so she became a really great supporter in that she saw the vision. She bought into the vision. I'm not saying that it was pretty, I'm not saying we had pretty conversations along the journey, but man, she was, she bought in and she's seen and we're glad we're here. So it's, I give this thanks and praise, not to, not just to God, but to my wife for sure. No, that's great. Yeah. I just, uh, I'm glad you shared that because I think that is one of the biggest challenges out there and what holds probably the majority of people back. I just think back to before I had a family and stuff, how much easier things would have been and getting something started. It certainly does add extra layers of challenge and risk and all that thing to it. But if you have a clear vision, you had been putting in the work for years and years before this, right? This wasn't just mm -hmm. a, an overnight decision of, okay, now I'm going to do this. You, you talked about, you had these entrepreneurial skills, you dipped your toe in these other waters through your past. And now the time had come where you can finally culminate and refine and say, okay, and here's the vision. We're going to move forward. You got your wife on board and you took that leap of faith. So mind you, yeah. we're homeschooling at the same time. This COVID. <laughs> yeah. So there was a lot, which was easier. I would say it made the journey easier. You have five kids and you homeschool all of them. Yes. We homeschooled my oldest. <laughs> We took him out when he was in the third grade. It was, it was something that we just definitely needed to do. It allowed us to be flexible and allowed us to really instill the values that we wanted to instill in our children. I really believe in the homeschool. I, when we ever, we have kids, I think that's what we'll probably do. And you do the, do y'all do, I think there's like co-ops and stuff like that. Do y'all do that too yet? Or is it yeah, just strictly say from home? Yeah, it's strictly from home. You find, you can find your co-ops. For us, it's right now, we just make sure that we get the children involved in social activities. Like they get involved with the YMCA and karate piano classes and stuff like that. But, you know, you can find local homeschool associations and they may have basketball teams. Like my son played on the high school basketball team for the, and they played against public schools. They okay. played the JV. In the, yeah, they played the JV and the varsity teams of those schools, of public schools and private schools in the area. My daughter was on the volleyball team. So you can find these homeschool associations where they have like these programs set up for the children and they'll do the co-ops there as well. We just never really tapped into the co-ops, but there's more available today than there was when we were getting started, right. especially since COVID's happened. You had a lot yeah. more organizations, people, associations getting started, people coming together, really wanting to do the homeschool and the co-opting. I think when you can find a really good co-op, a really good community stick with that community, the values. A lot of people tend to have the same values, same, tend to have the same morals, they tend to want the same things. Because, you know, we're all teaching our children for really for spiritual and religious reasons. At the end of the day, it's really just instilling those family values and those morals that was taught to us that we feel like that are eroding in society. To yeah. yeah. One one kid at homeschool, which five kids, I would then become another business person. Like, I'm opening up my own homeschool place and then I'm hiring people to teach you the values that I want you to be taught. Yeah. I can't, I'm a little, I'll lose my religion, but I don't know. I don't know. That's awesome though. I'm, and you have a business. That's insane. That's mm -hmm. awesome. All right. Yeah. Excuse me. Sorry. 
still lingering effects here of a cold or whatever it is. But uh, so you mentioned part of the reason for the homeschooling is about morals and wanting to instill those morals and the faith, your faith. Let's explore that a little bit because I agree hundred percent that the public education system is very broken in this country, I think in many countries. And a big part of that is because God has been taken out of the schools. So why don't you, why don't you talk to us a little bit about your faith background and, and I know you said your grandmother was a pastor. So I assume you, you grew up in a Christian household. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Why don't you just give us a little bit of background on, on your journey? When did it become personal for you knowing Jesus? Yeah. So I grew up said my grandmother was a pastor and this was in a time where, and again, this is in the South, East Tennessee. In a time period where it was not really looked at favorably for women to be preaching the word of God. So my grandmother really felt the need to really share this word that she felt like this was in her. And because she stepped out on that faith, despite whatever she felt was coming her way, she inspired an entire community. My grandmother set up the one of the first soup kitchens in our community she wow. feeds thirty thousand people through that soup kitchen per year wow. and it all came and again all of that came through her devotion to the word and her stepping out on that faith she really taught us to really like honor the word of god and honor like ourselves and to again not to understand that there is no luck she would constantly say that there is no such thing as luck. There is no such thing as luck. It's just God's will. And uh, so when you're raised in a church and you have to be at church on Wednesdays and Sundays and all the days, <laughs> <there> was, uh, <laughs> we had to always be at the church. And then my grandfather, he would not allow us to do things if we wasn't in church on Sundays. So it was a yeah. certain kind of discipline that was being taught. We couldn't play basketball we couldn't be a part of anything if we wasn't going to be in the church then you don't need to be a part of the world that's what they would say you don't want to be a part of the world you want to be a part of the world but you don't want to come to church it wasn't until i got a little older where i to kind of branch out and to steer and to explore my own things on my own terms i say around 16 17 i start to really branch out start to read other literature start to dive into other faiths and to look at other things and see what was out there which was good for me. It was, it just it allowed me to really open up my eyes. I feel like I can sit with the Buddhists and really have the conversation. I feel like I can sit with the Muslim and really have that conversation as well as the Christian. But I, where my faith lies and I don't move and operate in judgment. So my whole thing is just to, it is just to spread the love and the joy. And so that's like where, where I'm at. But yeah, it's, it's something that that I really took serious and hold serious. I am where I'm at because of God. I am who I am because of God and Jesus giving his life for the sins of all of us. And so I have to constantly stand in honor. We have to stand in honor and understand that who we are in this world and just continue to, to fight the good fight because that's what it is. It's a good, and we see it. We see that there's a fight happening in the world. It's a spiritual war. We see that there's a spiritual war happening in front of our eyes. We cannot ignore it. And so we're at a point to where it's like, what's side of you? Like they're trying so hard to remove Jesus, just his name. They're trying so hard to remove that 
his name from the lips of everybody. And it's just crazy. And when you see that, it's like, what side are you on? What side are you staring on? Yeah, 100%. <clears throat> so how do you, or how does your faith influence your, your, the operation of your business? Or how does your faith just affect how you live your life? We like to talk about how, how, the, how faith integrates with all these different areas, your finances, your fitness, et cetera, because ultimately as a Christian, not to say we're, <laughs> we don't all have room for improvement in this. We need to have that as the building block or the foundation for these other aspects of our life. So I'm just curious, how does your faith affect and integrate with these other areas of your life? It, it affects me greatly. Again, I am who I am because of the sacrifice. And so everything that I do, like I, I want to do it in honor of God. And, and for me, it's, we have been, and I felt like I grew up in an era where it was looked at, if you didn't talk about God when you were talking business, you didn't, you didn't, you don't incorporate it in your marketing. You just don't, you don't talk about God. You just don't, you just don't. And I didn't want to do that. I found myself when I first got started, not wanting to really share that, those parts of myself. And it was just because I didn't want to offend anyone. That's how they get us. They uh -huh. get us thinking like this because the devil is a liar. But anyway. And it wasn't really about me. It, now that I look back, it, it wasn't about me offending anyone. It was just my own self-confidence and who I was and my, and my stance and in, in, in my faith. It wasn't until I got stronger in my faith. Hey, I, I share with people. I can sit on this podcast and talk, or I can drop certain posts, or I can mention how God has influenced me in my business and the decision-making. There's no day that, I, that goes by where I'm not grateful and I, and I know that this i know that the decisions i make in this business are not my decisions these are not my decisions god is making these decisions on my behalf this is god's business god is doing everything here these are, the impact that we're doing is impacting god's children and so also i have been i have just been ready to step up and i'm still growing i'm still growing and evolving in my faith in my confidence in the eyes of God, I'm still growing. I'm still learning. And as I continue to grow and continue to learn, I'll be more strong in my faith and I'll do more. I'll do more. And I think God really understands our journey and where we're at in this and is not expecting us to do nothing that he hasn't put in our place to do. And so I give thanks and praise. There, again, there's not a day that goes by. There's not a night that, that I lay down that I don't just give honor and praise and thank God for all that he has done for me and, and to give me the wisdom and the insight to make these decisions and to surround myself with the right people who are like-minded because that's important because at the end of the day, I truly believe that God blesses us when we bless his children. I love that because the reason why I, I wanted to join this podcast is just because of what you just you know how a lot of people are like, you have to speak your goals out loud or write them down. You can't just think them. And so this also helps. I feel like our listeners, this is, this is such an awesome opportunity with this podcast because listeners, this amps you up. It's like almost looking at a fitness podcast, which is, this is also, it keeps you motivated. It keeps you mm -hmm. on target and it keeps you accountable. So, and even you saying it out loud, or I'm saying my story out loud, or Kale or Wes are saying their story out loud. It rejuvenates you. 
And I feel like that's what your story just did for me, myself. And I know it's going to do for the viewers or listeners, I guess you'd say. But yeah, I love that. I love your story. That is awesome. Yeah, 100%. And you mentioned what I think was great in that having that fear or apprehension of speaking about God or speaking about Jesus openly and publicly was not necessarily not to offend people, but it was a self-confidence thing uh -huh. in your faith. And is, that is so true. So what have you done or is there anything that, that you can think of that's been crucial in helping you build that self-confidence to, to be able to speak openly? I'd say my mother, Daniel's whole COVID, my mother was a Christian in the church. She helped my grandmother established a soup kitchen, the kitchen of hope, okay. and it still operates in the bottom of her church today. So I heard a voice. I heard a voice when my mom was on that ventilator mm. and it was a voice of freedom. And she just told me to live my life like I've never lived it before. And I feel like that voice I heard was the voice I needed to stand stronger in my faith. Again, I was raised in the church, so I knew where I come from. So what was I running for? And the fact that I was running for so long is the fact that I stayed confused for so long because God had gave me insight and wisdom, but the devil is a lie. And with that, I had to continue to find myself. And it wasn't until 2019 where we started to do the business COVID happening, my mother on the ventilator. It was during those moments where I was like, who cares? Who cares? I am in this existence pretty much by myself. Because I'm going to tell you, I don't know if you guys have lost a mother. When you lose a mother, and this is just my experience, it feels like you're going to be you're going through a vortex of some sort because the person that brought you into this life is no longer standing in front of you. There's no longer, that doorway is no longer there. There's a conversation you can't have anymore. And I was telling my wife this past Mother's Day, I was just, I was thankful and grateful for all the mothers. And I was saying a prayer aloud that I just wished that all the mothers had a glorious day because I just couldn't call mine. But I spoke with her eternally. I spoke with her in other ways, but Again, we are in this world to make a difference. And when my mom told me to live life like I'd never lived it before, but it was time for me to really just step out and, and do what I needed to do. That's when I start to talk about God more. And the more I start to talk about God more publicly, and whether I'm dropping it on social media or sharing a scripture or whatever it may be, or having these kind of conversations or even having them privately with clients, just talking about God, like just giving thanks and praise. When they say something, oh, thank God for that. Simple things I would have never normally said. Just at first started out with me, like just giving thanks and praise and, and to where it was like, you now it's, and so I have the Bible app on my phone. I get my devotions every day. I, for those who, you know, it's a reminder every single day, I get my devotions in the morning, in the middle of the day, and then night. And I read my devotions. I say, because I, I want to be reminded because we get to where we're not so busy, we can forget. And then I, I have my Bible app. So I listen to the Bible in my spare time. And so I want to keep that, that, keep that going. 
So these are just some of the ways, again, it's just, I think it, for me though, it's just fully staying confident in the eyes of God and just knowing that I have a purpose, that God is using me to fulfill this purpose. And I'm just willing to receive whatever it is that God wants me to do. I'll, I'm here. Use me. Use me. And I will take that, that, that torch and, and do what I need to do, do with by the grace of God. That is awesome. What I want this podcast as, as well as probably all of you do, to step on people's toes a little bit. And so you're seeing younger and younger people becoming the investing field, which is awesome. Like I'm seeing like an 18-year-old invest and it's insane. They're going to be multi-millionaires probably if they follow the path that they're on. And us being at the age we are, I'm assuming we're probably around the same age. I'm not going to give my age away, but we're probably all the same 18, age. 18, 19. 18, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Almost 19. But <laughs> no, so... We, I still struggle with that. And I don't know why, because I've, in the last three years, it's only happened in the last three years where I don't care really what people's viewpoint of me are. Like before that, I was like, well, I don't want to offend somebody like you said, or I don't want to do this because somebody might like me. And then at the same time, I'm like, well, why does it matter? If I'm true in myself and I'm good and I'm doing good and I'm putting it out there, then why, why does it matter? And so I challenge the younger listeners and I'm not saying your kids or anything, I'm just saying younger because even only a, just a couple years ago was I the same way you are going to feel that way because you it's natural to want to feel liked and be liked but I know you guys don't know the weight of the world yet or the experience and maybe you do of death or how short life is but if you are living for the right reasons and you proclaim that then the right people are going to come into your life whether you like it or not and there's going to still be bad people and there's going to be people that talk about you. And I'm going to say this a lot. The most proclaimed person in history, Jesus, there are people that hated him. And so it's like, you're not going to be liked by everybody. So why waste your time trying to get people to like you? The right people will like you if you just be yourself and speak it out into fruition. And that way you will know that you're always following that right. Judah, I'm glad. I'm going to have to add you on Facebook as a friend to, because I think that'll help me keep accountable too on posting my thanks and stuff like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I know, again, it's something that just hits you. I think that there may be something in life that just hits you, that pushes you to want to just be fully committed and immersed in, in the love and the devotion. But for me, I had to remind myself that if I'm talking about God or if I'm, if I'm expressing myself in that way, and my ideal client, what well, I think my ideal client does not like it, then I don't want their business. I don't want their business. And it's okay. Oh, it's okay. And so that's like how I had to start thinking, like, I'm going to attract the people who understand it. I'm going to, because I have complete faith in God. I have to have my complete faith. And God is saying, hey, be who it is that I have created you to be and do this work in my name, then I have to stand in that faith and understand that when I do that, I'm going to be taken care of. Like God is going to take care of me so I can continue to take care of more people. Cause that's what it's all about. Cause the guy, God ain't going to give me what I need because the devil also rewards. We got the, we got to remember that the devil rewards. And so you can't look at what you got in your physical world. I got the nice car, got the nice house. We gave it to you, gave it to you. So 
I want to always be in that state of being to where I'm just fully devoted and doing God's work. Dude, you should get a shirt made that says, Jesus is my ideal client. <laughs> oh, I like it. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> oh man y'all need to start doing that like okay how can i market my business to jesus <laughs> Yo, that is no oh, that's classic <laughs> that is classic no you just got that one that thing's going that thing would move off the shelves i know it would. there we go that's classic that's a classic saying i like that oh man <laughs> excuse me a common theme that we've been talking about through all these things through your business your faith has been at least that i've taken away has been really discipline and, and taking action. Right. And there was just something from this morning, even where just a thing on social media, someone had commented just on like a fitness post that I had put and they had commented, it's somebody, a friend of mine. So I know he was being funny as well, but he wrote, I came for, I came looking for real estate content and instead I got motivated for fitness. Right. <laughs> And my response is it all starts with discipline, right? You get discipline in one area of your life and that leads over into the others. And that, I believe that hundred percent. So along that line of discipline and everything in the last few minutes we have here, what, uh, what is your routine or how do you keep the practice of physical fitness in your life as well? Yeah, I'm definitely a believer in the morning routine. Now, I not like you, the fitness bastard, <laughs> you're pretty devoted. And the thing is, I like the content that you put out there because, again, it inspires me to want to just stay focused and to be accountable. So for me, and how I stay focused in, in the area of fitness, I like to do my morning, my morning push-ups and stretches. So there's a sequence of stretches that I do in the morning, and I'll do 10 sets of those. So it's like a variation of things that incorporate some push-ups, some stretching, and some things like that. And so that's what I like to do. But Definitely staying fit. Like I don't break my fast in the mornings with anything that's going to just, in, it's going to just hurt the body. And so I, I like to break my fast with, with fruits and vegetables. So I eat my fruits and vegetables. I try to eat at least one good solid meal a day, a day and it's between the hours of 12 and two. And then I have something light at nighttime. So for me, and again, this is my, this is just my journey. I, I try to live according to what God's created, that God created. So, so for the human being, I feel like when we look out into nature and we understand that nature is our, is also a book for us to read and eating between the eating in high noon is good for the body between the hours of 12 and two, right? It's good for the body. But when the sun goes down, that also means something. You shouldn't be eating. You shouldn't be eating after the sun has went down and around six to eight, I try to have something like, because I like to eat my heavy meal, which is some will call it dinner. I would like to eat that in, 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 in high noon where the body is really moving and my metabolism is moving and I'm really active. But I also drink my herbal teas. I like to get those teas in and it makes me feel good. My turmeric and my dandelion tea. I like to get all that in, man. And again, it just helps me stay. It helps me just feel like I'm staying focused. I'm not putting anything in my body, trying not to anyway, putting anything in my body that, that I know that's going to really slow down my mind, slow down my body slow me down because I got God's work to do. And so I got to stay healthy. You I'm said you do, more... you do visit the Smoky Mountains and stuff? Yeah, I'm from the Smoky Mountains. Yeah. Okay. All right. So yeah. Cool. So our house is in Knoxville. So we'll have to, we'll have to get uh -huh. together. Uh -huh. You're from Knoxville. I'm from, I'm, we lived in a Severeville area for a long time and we just moved to Knoxville last year just to get out of the rat race of the tourism 
market. But I'm hearing the accent, but when you said Texas, I wasn't really. Yes. <laughs> I wasn't for sure. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Because my husband got a job here, so we're here. We're in an I'm an RV right now, so it's like my dog is like right here that I'm trying to keep off camera. But so you know about the plum tea room? The whole world. The Apparently not. <laughs> the plum tea room. It's in. It's in Gatlinburg. Oh, okay. No, I, no, I don't. You need to go there. They make this homemade plum tea, and it's the best tea I've ever had. <laughs> and they've got really good chicken salad stuff like that. Anyway, sorry, I was just. Okay. You said you like tea, yeah. so I figured. I like my tea. Yeah, definitely go there because it's really good. Yeah, I sure will. And it's crazy because again, I, you have the in, East Tennessee like accent. You have the you yeah. have this, and so that's I, where I we're, that's where we're from. Yeah, yeah okay, just, awesome. And yeah, I got family in Knoxville and Greenville, Newport. A lot of family in Newport, Tennessee. I'm from Kingsport though. Okay, yeah, yeah. Kingsport, Johnson City, Bristol, the whole area. Yeah, nice. Kale, you all in West, if you're in the area, y'all got to go to, maybe we'll all just go to the plum. Shoot, we're gonna, I'm going to be seeing Kale in October. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, we might, we'll make a plum tea stop. Okay. Just because we got to wrap it up here, let's jump into the last question here that I want to, that we want to ask you is, and you already gave us some, but if you could give us three tips, it can be in any of these areas of life that we talked about, finances, physical faith. But if you could give our listeners three tips that uh, actionable, practical tips to help them improve their life in these areas, what would they be? I'd say the three tips is first, uh, get committed to your dream. And whatever that dream is, that dream has been placed inside you for a reason. It's not just to inspire and motivate you, but it's to inspire and motivate the children of God. And so the dream doesn't need to be chased. It's already there. And you just got to go get it. You got to go get it and manifest it. So it's like just walking over to your table and picking up an item off the table. It's really that easy. But it's going to be hard work manifesting the dream. But you got to have that faith. So that's one is to get committed to your dream. Number two is to find your faith in God. Because that's what you're going to need to stay true to your dream. Again, the dream was planted in you by God, and now you need the faith of God to have the dream manifest. And number three is to be a servant to God's children, because that's where your dream is going. <laughs> you got to, again, the dream was given to you by God. Now you got to have the faith in God to manifest the dream, because the dream is serving the children of God. And so when you understand those three things, when you look into nature, it's out there. It's out there. The tree, the plant, the chirping bird all follows these three things. Again, it's, it's, no, it's no different than the three processes, the systems, framework, and processes. It's, I don't know if you guys are familiar, but three is power when it comes to, in terms of, uh, because again, when you have two, you can have, you can, you can be undecided, but you need that third. You need that third to make things to kind of balance things out. And that's what the mind, body, and the soul is, right? That's a trinity. That's a triune. And so that's what we want. That's what we want. So those three things, capture your dream, have faith in God, and then, and then be a servant to God's children. Wonderful. Excellent. Judah, this has been great. I know we didn't get to 
I have one last question. Oh, you got one last. All right, go for it, Brennan. Just, I know you said you eat pretty healthy, so you may not eat this, but I'm a big pizza connoisseur. So what's the best pizza (laughs) you've ever had in your life? Like where at? Where is that? You know what? I've never been a pizza connoisseur. I was oh, more of a sorry. You can't be friends now with brother. <laughs> I was more of a burger connoisseur. As I, okay. I would ask you, like, where's the best burgers that I can eat? She just blocked you on Facebook. Now. Yes. <laughs> okay, uh, but, then if but, you're not pizza, best. But whatever pizza, your favorite food is, where is the best place to um, get it? I recently just had the most fabulous veggie burger, bean burger, at the plant. A cafe in Providence. Man, it was phenomenal. And then the cauliflower chicken tenders. Okay. <laughs> it was amazing. But for pizza, I would say I, I like, obviously in, in the New England area, you, you can get pizza. It's pizza everywhere. Great pizza mm-hmm. everywhere. But down south, when I was in East Tennessee, I really loved Johnny Brusco's pizza. It's New York style pizza. It's really good. I like Johnny Brusco's. So if you're ever in the Tri-City area, Kingsport, Johnson City, Tennessee, I'm giving a shout out to Johnny Brusco's Pizza. I think it's one of the best pizza in that area. Yeah, Creating yeah. a new notebook of pizza, Johnny. Johnny Brusco's. Brusco's, okay. Yeah, Johnny hey. Brusco's. Awesome. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> All right. So where, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you? What's the best way for people to stalk you? Yeah, so the best way, Facebook. Just get on Facebook and type in Judah Swaggerty. You can go to gobnbamplified.com. You can also find me on Instagram, LinkedIn. Yeah, so we're here. We're here. Awesome. Thank you very much, Judah. It was a pleasure having you on. Man, this was fun. Yes, sir. Really fun. People, be sure to check out his website. If you need direct booking help, marketing, branding, Judah's your man. All right. Thank you, Judah. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Enjoy.